Welcome to the Investors Chronicle Extraction Podcast. I'm Alex Hamer. Gold is on a tear at the moment. It cracked $1,400 an ounce in June and $1,500 this month. There are plenty of inputs in this price rise, but low interest rates and macro worries have been the main drivers. Our guest today is John Reed, Chief Market Strategist for the Gold Miner Funded member organisation, the World Gold Council. Welcome, John. First of all, what, what do you think the biggest driver of the gold price is right now? Well, thanks, Alex. Put simply, investment and speculation is driving the gold price at the moment. Sometimes physical demand for gold and jewellery is the most important factor supporting the price. But at the moment, the gold market is in the hands of, of investors and speculators. For example, on the COMEX futures market in the US, where net speculative positions are about the longest they have ever been. But also we're seeing solid inflows into exchange-traded funds, physically backed by gold. Uh, They've grown strongly for the last three months. And if we look at uh, turnover of gold on the increasingly important Shanghai Gold Exchange in China, the turnover of gold contracts there for the, the speculative contracts there is at the highest level that it's been and has been specifically strong for the last three months. So investors and speculators are driving the price at the moment. And if we put it in context, I mean, it's last been in this level, I think, about six years ago. Yeah. Historically, what kind of position are these highs at the moment? I'd, I'd say these highs are characterised or were characterised last time also by investment and speculation. Six years ago, we were coming off the all-time high in gold uh, which we saw in 2000, 2011, November, I think it was, uh, with gold above $1,900 an ounce. That was driven by concerns about the fallout from the global financial crisis, particularly what quantitative easing would do, um, but also very low real interest rates. In fact, real US 10-year Treasury yields were, were negative uh, at that time. They're at about zero now. So that's certainly one thing that's in common. We've seen investors and speculators uh, buying gold, uh, and one of the the, the, the big things that's, that's associated with is very low interest rates, particularly low real interest rates. And you, you mentioned that this current move is, is paper-driven, basically. Mm. Does physical demand still matter? So jewellery buying in India, China, that kind of thing? In the long term, it really does matter. Uh, and we've done quite a lot of work looking at drivers of the gold gold price, and in the long term, what investors and speculators do on futures markets, etc., it kind of nets out. So sometimes it's really important, sometimes it's it's really unimportant, and sometimes it's negative. Over the long term, it nets out. So the underlying buying that you see coming through from the the important physical markets in India, China, the Middle East, Europe, and the US to to a certain extent, they're really important. But what they don't do is they don't drive the price higher. Certainly in the short term. Rather, you'll hear uh, commentators talking about strong Indian demand or, or strong Chinese demand supporting the price typically when investors and speculators aren't involved. So demand in India has fallen quite a lot uh, as the gold price has moved higher in the last couple of months. We had a pretty strong second quarter. But since then, uh, into July and particularly into August, we can see there's a big discount opened up in the Indian gold market, price of gold in India compared to the price of gold in the UK. And, that, and that's a very clear indication to me that the physical demand in India is slow at the moment. And, and we're hearing that from the trade there as well. Okay. And as someone who charts the gold price for a living or looks at the, the reasons that it's moving, how do you filter out what's, in, what's important and, and what 
inputs and I don't know, demand situations actually change the price? I mean, yeah, how, it, do, how do you filter all that out? It, it's it's a, an interesting question, and 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 the answer is, I look at a lot of things. I've been doing this now in one way or another in, in gold for about thirty years or more. Uh, and I think over that period, I've probably compared gold to pretty much every other financial asset out there, whether it's soybeans, whether it's equities, whether it's crude oil, whether it's interest rates. It, it has a relationship or maybe an accidental relationship with pretty much everything sometimes. As a consequence, I've got about a 100 spreadsheets um, that I look at, um, some daily, some weekly, some monthly, comparing gold to looking at gold in different currencies, looking at gold to real interest rates, which has been particularly important for the last decade or so. Um, looking at positioning, in other words, how much it, investors and speculators have bought or sold. Look at the flows in and out of the ETF. Look at the turnover in certain other markets as well. And also looking at gold in other currencies, which which I think is important too. We, we trade gold or the market trades gold predominantly uh, against the dollar, but how gold is performing against other important currencies like like the euro, like the uh, uh, the Chinese uh, renminbi, etc. That's become that, that that that's always important. And I suppose what I, what I do is I spend a good two hours a day updating my up, updating these spreadsheets and looking and looking at the charts and changing the axes and seeing what's moved. And it's a combination of experience, really, just to see what's the you know, is this move just random? You know, because a lot of the moves that you get in financial markets are just like oh, up five dollars, down five dollars, doesn't really matter. Or is there something more fundamental at work? And usually, if there's something more fundamental at work then you'll pick up a lot of indicators from different aspects of the market that are all painting the same picture at the same time. And for a retail investor who doesn't have access to your your hundreds of spreadsheets, who's seeing gold right now at $1,500, is it too late to jump on this move? Do you think it's run its course? Trading gold tactically is really hard. And it's hard because it's a complicated market and often you're trying to make guesses about what's going to happen to lots of these different drivers. Um, so it's very difficult to say whether it's too late for a retail investor to jump on this move at the moment. And it also depends upon you know, the rest of their portfolio as well. We make the case that gold should be a strategic part of a, of a portfolio all the time because it's been a source of returns, because it's a great diversifier, particularly when when you need it, when 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 equity markets are falling fast. Tactically, trading gold is 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 harder. Uh, what worries me, I think, about retail investors entering into the gold market is that for most retail investors, gold isn't on their horizon most of the time. It only gets onto the the horizon on their radar screen when it's had a big move, usually higher. When people are talking about it, when when gold mining shares are, are doing particularly well, then newspapers, uh, maybe even the mainstream news starts talking about it, and then people get involved. So it is possible um, that retail investors only get involved after it's had most of its move or maybe before it's going to reverse. So you know, I think, as I say, tactical trading of gold, I I know a number of hedge funds who, who do this for a living, and, and I don't know how hard they find it, and, and again, with lots of experience and lots of, sort of market access. So you know, it, it, caution, I think, should always be involved. I guess it's that theory where people who aren't involved in investing start telling you about this great opportunity, then it's probably top of the market. Yeah, when the guy that shines your shoes tells you it's, uh, it's time to buy gold, but like cryptocurrencies were at the end of 2017, <laughs> then, 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 you, uh, then, then you know you should be uh, 
exercising a little bit of caution. But again, that's from a tactical perspective. From a strategic perspective, as I say, we, we would recommend that almost all portfolios have have some gold in there for the benefits that it has given. And you're, you're a regular attendee of you know mining conferences, financial events. Are people still asking about cryptos as a, as a replacement for gold investments? It certainly was a major theme um, in the back half towards the end of 2017 and into the beginning of 2018, and then went quiet as, as, as Bitcoin, etc., all declined. Despite the fact that we've seen you know, cryptocurrency prices do well, all the indications I've got is that it's, it's a much narrower run at the moment. There's, there's not the same sort of enthusiasm or uh, amongst amongst the non-experts or the non-professionals in this. So I don't get as many questions on cryptocurrencies as I did, say, 18 months ago. There was a phase as well, particularly in, in Canada, particularly retail investors who, who traditionally have bought a lot of gold equities, got involved in the cryptocurrency uh, frenzy. And then after that died, the next one they came to uh, was marijuana stocks, which I thought was quite amusing. Uh, in fact, I've just ordered six mugs, which I found on the internet, which is uh, I've got crypto crossed out, weed crossed out, and gold at the bottom, um, which I intend to hand out to some <laughs> of my colleagues because I think they're quite amusing. But no, I say cryptocurrencies are – I don't think they are a threat to gold. There's some similarities, but more differences than similarities. Uh, and despite the fact that the price has gone up uh, a fair amount again in Bitcoin, et cetera, uh, we're not getting the same sort of interest. And Canada has a has a – much larger retail investor base for for mining, mm. for example. Why do you think London doesn't have that same volume on the retail side, especially? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there are a lot more counters or, or, or equities to, to to potentially invest in. There are hundreds of uh, of junior exploration and development companies in Canada. Why that never took off in London to the same degree, I'm not sure. But I, I guess the thing in Canada is you can go out and stake ground and explore for metals and minerals there much more readily than you can do in this country. When I was at university, it was a summer vacation job that some of my co- my classmates went on to go out staking ground for people in, in, in Canada. And maybe because it was originally more of a frontier economy and, and, and resources are a big part of the Canadian economy, perhaps uh, it's something that's taken off. But, uh, but no, you're right, there isn't the same sort of exploration company and, and development company choices here uh, as there is in, in Canada or indeed Australia, where, as you know, there's uh, similarly hundreds of, uh, of junior mining companies out there. Yeah, I guess it means we've avoided the kind of, you know, frenzy that the, you know, the old Vancouver Stock Exchange had, the TSX Ventures a lot better, but still fairly difficult to pick a good one. I mean, it's one of the reasons why um, we're not seeing an, an enormous growth in mine supply at the moment is because the, to be frank, the industry has spent a fair amount of money looking for new large deposits that they can develop. But the track record in discovering decent sized, decent sized deposits has been reasonably poor. And what really gets the junior mining companies going, in my experience, is when a few of them actually find something, grow from market capitalizations of millions to billions and then sell themselves successfully to, to to larger companies and there's been a few examples of that in the last decade but but perhaps not enough to keep the front, uh, to keep the interest from the retail uh, investors going sure you you worked for Paulson uh, before coming to the world gold council sure. yeah as a former fund manager how would you tackle the current situation if you still had that role yeah i mean it, it depends what sort of fund fund we we were i would would be managing um, if it was a general fund 
then I certainly would have uh, the strategic investment in gold that I was talking about before. I mean, the level depends, I guess, on other things in your fund, but but somewhere between five and maybe fifteen percent investment in gold does make sense. And you know, whatever fund I was managing, I would I would try and have that in there. If I was managing a gold fund, I would be spending a lot of time looking at the the member companies or the the, the companies that I own uh, in that fund to make sure that they're they're reacting sensibly to the increase in the gold price. The mining industry, you know, went through a period of retrenchment as the gold price retraced back in 2013, particularly. Uh, and now the gold price is moving higher again, particularly in, say, Canadian dollars, Australian dollars, and some of the other producer cu- uh, currencies. Um, then the mining companies should be making decent amounts of money. And I, and I would be watching very carefully uh, to see what they're doing with this, whether they're, they're acting prudently or not. And I think, you know, I, I think that that with the experience that I had, man- you know, owning gold shares uh, in a fund, is is management is one of the most important things that you've got to keep your eyes on. It's a very good insight from John Reed. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Alex. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. <laughs> 